You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the newsroom to you live. Good afternoon and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Arelis Hernandez, a reporter with the Washington Post. Joining me today is Diana Trujillo, a mission lead for the Mars Perseverance rover at, JAS- at NASA's Jet Propulsion Lab, as we continue our conversations marking Hispanic Heritage Month. Welcome, Diana. Hi, thank you for having me. So good to have you here. And I wonder if we could start with your personal journey, if that's okay. Uh, I want to know, how did your fascination and ambition with space start? Did it start growing up in Colombia? It did. And so thank you for asking that question. Yes. So I was born and raised in Colombia. I moved to the States when I was 17, like you saw in the video. But for me, the fascination for space started back in my hometown, in my home country. Uh, it was mainly the trying to understand when you look at the sky, how beautiful everything is, how majestic it is, and the recognition that behind that night sky, there is this amazing, amazing planets, all different, going around the sun, and they're giant. And so my question always was, how does that all work? How is it that all these outside objects can actually get along, but within my arm's reach, we have more problems of trying to figure out how we can get along and and be together. So I always wanted to understand, is there some magic salsa out there (laughs) that is working that I need to understand so we can do better here? So I remember the first time I told my dad, who's from Puerto Rico, that I was going to be a journalist. And he was like, oh, you're going to live in my house for the rest of your life. So I wonder, what did your family think when you said, you know, I'm going to pursue yeah, you know, the mysteries of space, and this is what I was going to do. Oh, I love your question. And by the way, I see your Puerto Rican flag in the background. So pretty awesome. So I would say um, I didn't. I didn't tell them I wanted to do space until I actually applied to work at NASA. And then it was like, okay, there's no way back. <laughs> this was going to be like the, I applied, I got accepted. No way you're going to tell me don't go to NASA. But it was funny because Actually, a few days after I applied, I did call my dad and I mentioned to him like, hey, I applied to NASA. Um, I'm going to go work for NASA. And um, his answer to that question was, I love you, mijita. Uh, I want to protect you. I don't think they're going to call you back. (laughs) And so it was very interesting for me to be like, oh, I thought this was going to be like a high five moment. Uh, But no, that was not what happened. Typical Latino father, right? <laughs> well, tell me about your journey because your journey to the United States uh, ha- involves your father, right? You arrived with roughly $300 in your pocket and, and somehow you put yourself through community college. Tell me about that journey, if you would. Yeah, so the journey for me uh, to get to the US was I came here when I was 17, like we were talking about earlier. I had 300 bucks in my pocket. I didn't know any English and I really didn't have like the support system. You know, you. You grow up with the support system of the neighborhood, the community, you know everybody on the on the street, really. And when I came here, I didn't come with that. But what he was amazing to me is the Latinx blood that we all have that we share because when I came to the States, I went to Miami. I'm so glad I went to Miami because I could speak Spanish while I was learning English. And the Cuban community in Miami like took me under their wing. Right. And they were the ones that were telling me, you know, it's hard. Keep going. We can do it. And so they were the ones pushing me forward and telling me. Right. And so, um, yeah, so I got here. I worked really hard. I had three jobs. 
I put myself through college to first learn English. And then, you know, I went to Miami Dade Community College for English. And then later on for space science. And then I took off to university. But it was interesting to me. What was interesting to me at that point was that I was, you know, first I was focused on survival mode, right? Like, where am I going to eat? Where am I going to sleep? How am I going to, you know, what's the transportation situation for me? Which is where, again, my, my Latinx community was like, go, 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 mija, go. Uh, but after that, you know, when I, when I reached steady state, uh, when those three things, which sound simple, but are huge, uh, enable me to then start thinking about my dreams and where I wanted to go next. Well, then how did NASA figure into part of your dreams? How did you decide you wanted to work there? Well, so, you know, when, well, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Um, it all happened because one night I went for a run and I had these pants that I brought from Colombia that I really like, but I didn't bring gym clothes, you know, like I pack, I could only bring one back. So I put the things that I'm like, okay, what are the things that I'm going to use the most? Gym clothes, not the thing that I'm going to use the most. I need my jeans, wherever I'm going to do, I'm going to be working with jeans. So anyways, I didn't bring uh, gym clothes, but I brought in this pajama pants I really like. And so I went for a run in my pajama pants and I fall on my run, right? I scratch my knees and like my only and favorite pajama pants like ripped on my knee. And I remember sitting there holding my knee alone, crying, thinking, I don't have anybody to call. I don't have, you know, like I feel lonely just because I felt that day. And I remember that was the moment where I'm like, is this it? Is this it for me? Is this everything that I am going to be doing? Um, is there anything else? And then I remember that dream of, of working in space, that dream of understanding how the solar system, the planet is everything out there works. And I thought maybe it's not too far. I mean, I am in the country where NASA exists, so <laughs> I'm a teeny bit closer. So let's just give it a shot. And then I started to learn about people that had gone to space, about their backgrounds, about what they have done. And then it started to go closer and closer. Um, and after that, I took a class in Miami-Dade Community College where um, it was an astronomy class. And my professor mentioned that she knew a friend that had a friend that was an astronaut. And it felt to me like, this is the closest I've ever been to an astronaut. This is like the Kevin, the Kevin Bacon kind of thing where everybody says, who has, who's on that sphere of influence? And I'm like, oh my God, I'm like in this sphere of influence of an astronaut. Um, this is awesome. And I think that that's when I'm like, let me seriously look into it. And yet when you started to apply for, it's like a, a NASA Academy, right? You didn't actually submit your own application. Is that right? Can you tell me that story? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, well, this is now later on, right? I, I go to college. Um, I'm senior at the University of Florida, like the best time ever, go Gators. Uh, and I, I, yeah, so I'm senior and I'm about to graduate. And I'm like, do you remember you want to do work in space? Like, I'm in Florida, maybe. Uh, so I told a professor about it. I'm like, hey, I know, I know this is our last class. You might not see me ever again, but I want to work in space. And to my surprise, this individual was like, applied to this, which was a NASA Academy. So I went to the website, filled everything in. And then of course, you know, I don't know about you, but 
my um my my imposter syndrome is like no what are you doing this is not gonna happen and so i fill everything in and then i did the craziest thing i think that a lot of people go through this where i like sat down in front of the clock and looked at the clock like waiting for like the you know the expiration time to submit the application and i'm like yeah i'm gonna sit there and look at the clock and cheers to me not actually <laughs> submitting it and my roommate came in and grabbed my computer it's like let me just read your application and i'm like okay and my roommate sent it for me uh and yes then you know later on i get the phone call that i made it it was just crazy I hope you're still friends with that roommate. <laughs> yes, but at the same time, I was very petrified. Like, no, wait, my perfectionism just came out. And it's like, but I didn't write this well. And all of that stuff that holds you back. Well, you said that the, the women in your family gave you a lot of strength. Your mom, uh, your I think your aunts and, and your grandmother. Uh, how did they teach you to fight? Because I just remember being myself in journalism school and, and getting constantly these messages that I don't belong, that this is not the field for me. I can imagine something similar happened to you. Yes, I will tell you, that's an excellent question. How did they teach me how to fight? There were several things in my life that I feel like allow me to do to learn how to do that. And so I will say one of them was, uh, I used to go to my grandma's house. Um, I used to go, yeah, I used to go to my grandma's house and in my grandma's house once a week, my grandma, my, my grandma, my great grandma, my mom, my aunt, my grandma's sisters will all get together at my grandma's house and I will go with mom. And so I will sit on the kitchen floor and they were all talking, drinking cafe and they will be, they will be just like having this weekly i don't know reflection moment where they tell each other what's going on at home and then somehow they just they will just nap into this laughter of do you remember when i wanted to do this and remember when i wore this and remember when i did that and all of those stories were leading to them saying when i wanted to have a restaurant when i wanted to own a candy store when i wanted to be the boss when i wanted and it was all past tense and so to me, it was scary to hear them say, I want it, but you know, life happened, you know, life happened. And then, so to me, it was like, oh no, like, is this what is in store for me? But then later on, like on the same conversation, it was very funny, it's on the same conversation that would turn to me and be like, but not to you, mija, no? Not to you. You fight. You get what you need. You get where you need to go. You think about other stuff later, but take count you in first. And so that was to me um, a pretty strong lesson to hear like the cadre of all the generations of women in my family tell me this happened to me, but not you. Wow. And so this reminiscence circle almost, right? Like of dreams deferred or dreams unfulfilled was all about pushing you then to, to, to do what they weren't able to do. Was that like subtly the message that they were giving you? I mean, it wasn't too subtle though. <laughs> it was very straight. It was like, I wanted this, but I didn't, but you should. And so, and I think that, you know, I, you know, my family, God is always in the center of everything for us. So my family's like, you know, you pray, you ask for it, you give everything, you do it with excellence, you push hard and you don't forget where you come from. 
uh, I think that all of that helped me. So when I came here, and again, the Cuban community in, like brought me in. I mean, the Latino blood, like Latinx blood, I mean, we work hard. We're the first one in, we're the last ones out. There's no job that we say no to. And so it's not like nobody else works hard. I'm just saying that the, 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 um, the work ethic from the Latinx community is strong because in many cases, right, we are pushing constantly everything we have and putting it on the line, right? Like there's plan B, I do everything. Plan, sorry, there's plan A, I do everything. There's no plan B. I mean, plan B is like, I do everything more. And so, you know, it's always like that. Well, let's let's transition to everything you do do uh, on a daily basis for the Jet Propulsion Lab and talk about your work. Uh, you're one of four, right? Mission leads for the Perseverance rover. Uh, what have you learned in doing all that work? Because you also worked on Curiosity, right? I did. And I think that at this point, we're 106. I'm one of six, but oh, um, okay. what? yeah, yeah, no, no. But you know, we're, we're bringing people in. That's the beauty of the job that we do, right? Like we bring in more people, we bring in more ways of thinking, we bring in diversity, diversity on thought, diversity on approaching problems, because like you were asking me, what have we learned? I mean, we have learned what we don't know and how to solve it. <laughs> so uh, I'll tell you, uh, lots of amazing things have happened on, with this mission, right? We landed on February 18, and since then, not only we did a series of firsts back to back to back, which I am so proud to be part of the NASA family, right? Like when you are in a situation, I think that you are like breaking barriers one after another. And in this specific case, the barriers are, we can't do that, we did it. We can't do that, we did it. Never, never before have we flown a helicopter on another planet and we did it, right? And so uh, that's just amazing. So yeah, so lots of firsts, right? Like from the first time we took that image when we landed to the first panorama, to the first drive, to the first time we touched the surface, to the first time we deployed the helicopter and flew on the surface of Mars. And then after that, doing the, the sample collection, right? And I think that the most amazing thing about the sample collection for me is also that we are seeding with the sample collection, with the core collection, we are seeding the next mission, which is my sample return. So we're almost, you know, I see it more like, you know, cuando estás uh, corriendo relevos, right? And you hand it to the next runner and you're like, here you go, run. And so it just feels, it feels like a team effort, even across years, across planets in the most amazing thing, in the most amazing way. Well, so let, to the question of the hour, right? Is there or has there been life on Mars? I mean, we don't know the answer yet, but we're on it. <laughs> so first we found out that with Curiosity that there was the ability to sustain life on Mars in the past. So check. <laughs> now the next question was, was there life on Mars? And we are on the search. I mean, I, I think that the fact that we're having this conversation, the fact that that question is, you know, coming into, you know, front, front and center for all of us is just, it's just crazy. I don't think that I ever thought that in my lifetime, I was going to be part of a team that will answer that question. So I once interviewed a lawmaker who told me just, you know, randomly that they'd want to be part of the first human mission or colony on Mars. Would you sign up as well? Well, First, I don't see it as a colony, right? I see it, oh, so this is the reason why I love working for NASA. We go there 
we go there and whatever there next is with respect, with humility, understanding that we know very little and that we are there to learn and to appreciate. So I think that the question then is, would I want to go uh, to any of those planets or moons? 100%. So, okay. So if we find out that there is, you know, life or there has been life on Mars, what do you think that means then for us and our understanding of our place in the universe? If we find out that there was life on the surface of another planet, uh, what I think, uh, so yeah, so this is my personal opinion. I hope that that's, that's gonna inevitably give us a um, reflection moment, right? A moment where we have to re we have to realize that we aren't alone. We are not the center. I mean, we're not the center of the universe. That nothing revolves around us, and that honestly, we're we're plugged into something bigger. That we are um, assisting, you know, and being part of it, but not necessarily driving it. And I think that, you know, when you when you think about it that way, you inevitably start thinking about a human connection. You start thinking about my my day to day, my how do I how do I connect with you? How do we make community? How do I make community in my neighborhood, in my city, around me? How do we all get better as people, right? And so I think that you realize, I think that instead of thinking me 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 me, it's like this is the we. Well, so I'm curious, you know, we're watching on the news, billionaires blasting off into space and irregular folks that are taking these trips to the to the edge of space. I wonder if the, if we're, you know, with the rover and other things, are we at an inflection point for space exploration? Uh, I mean, what do you see happening here? Well, I mean, when we talk about uh, the last mission finding that there was the ability to sustain life, the current mission trying to find out if there was life in the past. The next mission, trying to pick it up and bring it back. And parallel to that, we're talking about going back to the moon and hopefully going back to the moon with people and hopefully going to Mars with people. I mean, I think that, yes, <laughs> the answer to your question is I can't wait for us to get to the point where we're like, hey, uh, five o'clock, let's go take the shuttle to the moon. <laughs> that would be something, wouldn't it? <laughs> it will be. Well, I'm going to pivot a little bit towards something that I know that you're incredibly passionate about, which is STEM education and STEM education, particularly for Latinas. In the opening credits, we saw you talking about how few Latinas are, uh, you know, in STEM fields. And I'm curious about what you think, you know, it will take to change that. <clears throat> yeah, that's a really good question. I will say that, you know, sometimes people ask me, what is your advice? to the young women, young Latinx people that are coming behind to get into the industry. And I like the way that you phrase your question because I think that the responsibility is on us to help them. And so I think that, it, in my opinion, the way that we get to change this is by recognizing that we need to make space. We need to make space for the rest of the next generation to come in. It is not about the next generation trying to come in and knocking the door hard. It is about us opening the door, right? And sometimes we think, well, I unlock the door so you can walk in. And it's like, no, no, 
is we're going to have to open the door and welcome everybody else in. How do we do that? I think that it just, it, it, it comes in many different ways, right? Um, it comes in the way of how we direct ourselves to our own children or to the young people, right? It is, it is not about, like you were saying earlier, oh no, that will never happen. Oh no, you will live in my house your whole life because you're not going to make money of that. It's, it's not about that. It is about us supporting their dreams and in a way recognizing that it is their dreams after all. As much as I will want my kids to do something, it is their lives. My job is to support them and guide them. But the best way, in my opinion, to support them and guide them is by showing them examples of people that are doing the thing that they want to do successfully. So it is almost the do what you want and here's how you can do it well. Well, I'm also curious though about at the college level, like my, my sister actually is an agricultural engineer and I just remember her suffering. She went to the University of Maryland as well and suffering and feeling very much alone in her classes and feeling like she was the only Latina. In fact, she was the only Latina in her classes. What can like, in terms of support, what does support look like at the collegiate level? Once the interest is born, once they've made it to the college level, uh, how do how do we support then Latinas who do reach sort of the, the beginning stages of, of that career? Love your question. I will say right now, with the limited effort that I am doing, I will tell all of those uh, Latinx people that are in college to check out the Brooke Owens Fellowship and the Patty Gray Smith Fellowship. Uh, those are two fellowships that that actually reach out to a big network of aerospace or the aerospace industry where they can apply to these fellowships and have a shot at one of 33 companies to get a job for the summer and then also get you know the mentorship that we all need. I mean, I still need mentorship where you talk with an executive mentor, a person that is working in the industry now and can actually guide you through your career and say, hey, think about this, think about this and help you figure out what you like. Uh, so that's one way. But now ask, to the question that you're asking me, yes, it, 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 is, it is hard. I think that in my opinion, you know, when I was in college, I was like, I was one of three women and out of those three women, I was the only Latinx. And so um, I think that I just looked for support uh, on other ways that I can reach. So this is why I'm talking about the these two fellowships, because I think that you find a way of understanding what you like, other people supporting you, and then you create this network of people that can be there for you, right? Uh, the NASA Academy did that for me. I mean, I was so happy um, to see my NASA Academy friends email on the last three weeks and we were all talking about what we were going to do including this interview and they were all cheering for me and and that felt like okay i can do this well cool as we are, we're nearing the end of our time together i want to talk about hispanic heritage month in general and and why you think it's important to to celebrate it and to celebrate beyond you know the, the weird sort of mid-month <laughs> celebration that we have right now so, okay, so for me, why is it important to celebrate it? Is that your question? Uh, it is important for me to celebrate it personally because, I mean, we're just, we're taking the time to recognize all the amazing contribution that we as a Hispanic community have done in many areas, right? In my particular case, the contribution of the Hispanic community in our quest for space exploration, the way that we continue to push that, the way that we are part of it, the way that we are here. 
Um, and not only just on the space side, right, but in, ev in every single way, in every single discipline. And having the ability to celebrate that also tells the next generation, listen, we are here. You are here. If I can do it, you can do it. I will give you my hand and I can pull you in so that you can keep going because if we can do it, you can do it better than us. And so I think that that is a powerful message, not only among us peers and recognition of what we have done to better the country and where we are contributing and how proud we are of who we are, but we're also sending a message to the next generation that we're here for them. I want to talk just add a little question about womanhood, right? Like you talk a lot about being a woman and how you had received these messages early on in your childhood and throughout your life that women couldn't do certain things. How did, what was it? I know you had the example of your family, but what was it that, you know, pushed you past the point of the limitations that had stopped other members, other women in your family? Yeah, that is a good question. I will say that it goes back to what I mentioned earlier, which is that sense of community that we as Latinx people have, you know, you, you make community in a way that everybody around you is rooting for you. And so when I came to the U.S. and I have all this community that was telling me, agale, mija, agale, agale, uh, I, I think that there was no other option, right? At that point, the, the, um, the rhetorical, the, the story that you tell yourself changes from not you, not you to go, 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 go. And so I, I realized at that point that I had no other option uh, for me than just to do it, right? And I think that part of that also is, is the fact that when I came here and I had only $300, I felt like I was running a race against my, a race against my endurance, against the 300 bucks I had in my pocket. And I was hoping that when the, you know, the, stop, the stopwatch stops, I was going to be in a place where I was going to be happy and proud of what I had done. So I think that, yeah, I mean, those circumstances and the community pushing me uh, forward is the, the instant where I just felt like, what else? I, I, don't, I, I need to honor this. I need to honor the effort of all of these people that, that are you know, strangers for putting on me and helping me, I'm going to honor them. So let's just go. Well, that's an amazing story. And, and unfortunately, that's all the time we have today. Thank you. Thank you, Diana, for speaking with me. Thank you for having me. And thanks to all of you for joining us today. And check out WashingtonPost.com for extensive coverage of Hispanic Heritage Month. We also have a right here on screen, our link to, to the Somos Latinos interactive feature that you can visit and peruse a, as part of our continuing coverage. I'm Arelis Hernandez, and thank you for watching Washington Post Live. Thanks for listening. For more information on our upcoming programs, go to WashingtonPostLive.com.